Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. I want to write a hymn for you, where voices lift and southern black choirs rock. I want to write a hymn for you, where the sinners writhe, weeping bitter tears. I want to write a hymn for you where Baptist priests fling words at the congregation like fire and Catholic priests throw holy water into the sky. I want to write a classic hymn, all harp and harmonica, a hymn where our slave grandmas lift up their long frocks and trample the earth to sounds of tambourines. I want to write calypso hymns, folk hymns, reggae hymns, joyous hymns. I want to write sweet hymns for you. Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you encephalous Cordatum. My name's Owen, and those opening lines were from a poem called Faith by the fantabulous Malaika Booker. Right now, I want to thank you so much. Your listening bring, brings a musical resonance to my very heartstrings, and I'm delighted to bring you a conversation I had with my esteemed guest, Mark, about the stirring Hallelujah, that was Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2. Enjoy! Wow. Um, oh, I'm so happy to be joined by Mark. Um, the final whistle went on Liverpool 2, Chelsea nil, or Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2, if you prefer, being as it was at that hive of and treachery called Stamford Bridge. Um, we came away there from a win. Thiago's debut was unbelievable, and Mark is here with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Mark. I'm 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 on a I'm on a high. I've just written a review for Blood Red podcast in which I um, compared. Uh, well, I I wondered if Timo Werner had ever watched Bullseye, and you know what? I'm excited if I bring up the 1980s British darts-based uh, game show Bullseye. Um, how the heck are you, Mark? Well, I'm brilliant. After that, it was. Um... It was it was something else. Talk about not laying down a marker. You know, before the game, people were saying it would be Chelsea or Liverpool to lay down a marker, and it was a real opportunity, especially after all the talk that's been going around the last week and during the summer about whether we're prepared to, to defend or to attack our, our uh, title this year. And I think the answer is pretty obvious after watching that. So oh, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, just, I'm delighted with that thing. It was a brilliant performance. I'm still in shock that Tiago is actually a red. I can't believe Tiago is is actually a red. I'm in denial. I'm in shock about this. I'm so damned excited. I'm so freaking excited. I've loved this player for years and years. He came on in the second half. The BBC put a beautiful tweet out to say that, you know, um, he made more passes in 45 minutes than any other player in the Chelsea team did over 90. And he also made the most passes of any player that had just played 45 minutes since records began. 
Um, he's a historical player. He's a genius player. He's probably the best midfielder in the world, could we say? Him and KDB on a similar level. And now he plays in red. I mean, it's we are... Uh, just give me your give me your thoughts. Go wherever you like on it on 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 seeing Thiago Alcantara in a red shirt, Mark. Yeah, it was surreal because I didn't think you know this time last week I'd be seeing Thiago lining up for Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. But and I mean even at the start of the game I didn't think I'd I'd see it. Obviously the force injury of Henderson um, made that possible. But I, I mean I don't want to get too too ahead of myself in some ways, but in other ways it's just. Why well, forget about that? Because this there's there's no way this isn't going to work. Um, it seemed I was watching it and it was almost like I felt like we had we had him as a treat for one game almost, and it was like a one-off um, thing that we were allowed to enjoy. But the reality is that this is the future now for us, and it's 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 incredible. Um, just technically, I, I don't know if I've seen, I mean, I've only seen him play one game, but I think he's going to be one of the best midfielders I've seen play for Liverpool. Um, talk about just the perfect transfer at the perfect time. If there's any, I don't think complacency is the right word, but if we needed something to kind of get us going again and to give us a bit of a kick that we need, um, just dropping that beautiful little Spanish man into that midfield is the best way to do it because... He just controlled the game when he came on. I mean, this is probably the best team in the world with Bayern uh, at the moment anyway, regardless. But to, to take the arguably one of their most important players from the other best team in the world, Bayern, put him into Liverpool, it's just... Um, oh, it's, I, I can't believe that we've done it, but it's happened, and he's here, and um, I, I couldn't, be, couldn't be happier about it. He's an absolute juggernaut. You're right. There is no way that this is not going to work. It's absolutely beautifully put. Absolutely. Um, uh, he's unbelievable. It's so good. It's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, obviously, uh, Klopp and uh, Michael Edwards listen to Cop On religiously. Of course they do. Because only last week we were saying that, uh, you know, we need a, a midfielder uh, ideally. You know, in an ideal situation, our midfield is good, but we could do with another midfielder, preferably a defensive midfielder. And we need uh, one more attacker, and that's about it. We don't need a defender because Fabinho can play there. And let's talk for a moment about Fabinho at the back at centre-back. I had a conversation with Connor from the LFC Council. Do check out um, you know, the LFC Council on, on, on YouTube. Um, very interesting discussion we had a couple of weeks ago um, about our centre-back options. Because he was saying that Fabinho could work as fourth choice. And I was saying that actually Fabinho, for me, could well be second choice after Van Dijk. He could be Van Dijk's first choice partner, if you like, ahead of Matip and ahead of Gomez. I don't think Gomez's form has been brilliant lately. And let's say, for example, he recovers before the Arsenal match next Monday. Um, um, Gomez, I mean, he's got to be worried about his place now after that magnificent performance by the fabulous Fabinho. Yeah, well, before any team news came out about injuries or anything, my thinking was to play Matip in this match because, not in the sense, I know Gomez hasn't been at his best recently, maybe since the the lockdown was, was lifted in terms of the footballing world. Um, 
just more in the sense that I think it was obvious that we needed a bit of a, a bit of a change, and I think Gomez just would have been the obvious one to take out because you, you're not going to take out Virgil, and I would have thrown Matip in this weekend, but obviously both of them not being available, Fabinho stepped in, and he did brilliantly. I mean, there's, there's a moment there towards the end when Van Dijk, Fabinho won the ball and paid it back to Allison, and Van Dijk just turned around and applauded to him because um, and he, and, he, and he deserved it because to be able to fill in like that is is fantastic I and mean, he's done it I know we say he's done it before he hasn't done it many times before for Liverpool I know he did it against Bayern Munich and then um, he kept Lewandowski quiet but he hasn't done it loads and to do it you know and especially in the first half I know he wasn't under much pressure in the second half but to do it in the first half against Werner he won't come up against more tricky strikers in the league than that he stood up to him brilliantly uh, I thought he, had, he gets on really well with Virgil they were communicating really well um, so I mean, it's it's an interesting question. Do we go for another centre back now? And I've been linked with some people like Kabak and uh, from Schalke and some players of that of a similar mould to that. But what I was saying was that you know we could go and sign Kabak or something like that for twenty five million to play some games at centre back when he's needed. But I don't know if you're gonna. Well, you're definitely not easily going to sign a player that plays at centre back as well as Fabinho does, regardless of whether he plays that position. Um, you know, if it's his natural natural position, would this guy definitely come in and be better than Fabinho is at centre back for Liverpool? I don't know. So, I mean, in a way, today was the perfect audition. He's definitely passed it. I mean, it's it's up to Klopp now to to, to do the risk assessment and see if he thinks it's worth it. But for me, the reason I didn't like seeing Fabinho at centre back before was because I, th- I felt as though we lost a lot in the field. We lost control, um, and now it's different because Thiago can come in, and if, <laughs> there's no better midfielder to control a game than Thiago. So I don't think we lose as much in midfield whenever he doesn't play anymore, and that was the big thing for me. I'd love him to play next to, next to um, Thiago most of the time, but if it's needed, he can fill in. Um, I suppose it's just if it was the other defender, Virgil, that was to be injured, would he fare as well again, up, up alongside Matip or Gomez? Because a lot of players that play next to Virgil seem to look brilliant, even though they are brilliant, the ones that played with him mostly at Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, they're going to have to have to think about it. I know Henderson came off today. Thiago went into defensive mid. If Fabinho was there as well, Thiago would have to be pushed a bit forward. But they're lovely, um, you know, uh, worries to have to, to have to think about in terms of team selection but yeah Fabinho looked more than capable to me I was delighted with it I'd be interested to know what you think about do we sign another centre-back or do we just kind of stick with what we have well I don't know because um, for me I mean if you imagine we, we just signed Fabinho for 25 million for example or 30 or even 40 million and that was his first game you would think yeah, we've got a world beater here because Timo Werner is a world-class player. He's going to play in the World Cup for Germany. Um, you know, are they the, they've won the World Cup more than anyone else, more than Brazil, haven't they? Um, you know, if not, they're, they're the second most successful team, the first or second most successful nation in football history. And he's their striker. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant player. And Fabinho, I love the way that... For normal defenders, he, it, it would be sort of high risk, his game, because he he jumps in for the interception, for the early interception. A little bit like, dare I say it, Dayan Lovren used to do. Um, but the difference is that Fabinho's timing is 
impeccable. Now, I watched him, I watched him like a hawk today. I was making notes of every single Fab versus Werner um, incident. In the first half, he had a very slightly, you know, he had a slightly dodgy moment in the first, uh, the very first one on, you know, one on one between them, where he sort of backed off a bit and uh, Werner skipped past him quite easily. But after that, he won every single battle against Timo Werner. He was absolutely amazing. I'm just going to find my notes here. So, that, for example, in the second half, there was a great tackle. He made a um, beautiful tackle. These are my notes. <laughs> great tackle, 63 minutes. Um, uh, and then, uh, if you notice in the second half, Werner moved to the other side to, to just to, to get away from Fabinho because he was having no joy. That's how well Fabinho had him in his pocket. And then he moved back around about the 75th minute. In the 77th minute, a beautiful tackle by Fabinho. In the 83rd minute, a superb interception to stop a counter-attack. In the 85th minute, a wonderful tackle by Fabinho on Werner. They, they were at it all game um, and Fabinho was just coming out on top he was absolutely imperious and this is the player that I see Fabinho I've seen it for for a while that I think he is a centre-back as well as a brilliant I understand what you mean he does offer a lot to our midfield as well but I think He's got all of the attributes alongside Virgil van Dijk to be, you know, that could be an, an unbelievable partnership. Because look at the games that we've played in the last uh, 10, 11 games now. Um, this was our second clean sheet. Uh, so that includes friendlies, but that goes all the way back to after we beat Crystal Palace 4-0 on the 24th of June. Our next match was against Manchester City, which we lost 4-0. I don't know, I sort of blanked out the end of the season, a post-lockdown, because it didn't really matter. I know we switched off. But our only clean sheet was against Aston Villa, 2-0. And all the rest, oh sorry, there was one against Stuttgart, 3-0. So okay, this is our third clean sheet in 11 games with either Matip or Gomez at the back and I this looked a lot more solid and it was I don't know I just don't I think Billy Cometio can come through and I don't think um, we should sign anyone apart from Fabinho and that at the end uh, when uh, Fabinho won his last tackle was in, I think it was in the 91st minute and Virgil just sort of raised his arms and applauded above his head at uh, just generally at, the, at the, just the fabulous game that Fabinho had. For me, he was the man of the match. Um, was he your man of the match or, or would you give it to Sadio, the main man who was also supreme? Yeah, he's definitely up there today, Fabinho, um, in terms of man of the match. I... I would probably give it to Mane because not just the obvious thing, like you know, with the goals. Uh, in the first half, there was times when he was in tight spaces and surrounded by players, and he just has this magic about him that he can get out of them, and he has that spark that sometimes the rest of the team doesn't have, but he seems to always have it. And I thought he was amazing. His movement, um, the, 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 the goal that he scored, uh, the second one, the, the header, was, was brilliant. Um, not an easy header, you know. When you look at it on the on the slow motion replay, he really had to adjust himself even when he was approaching the ball, and he angled it into the, into the the far corner. Then I thought that was fantastic. So, I mean, I I don't want to 
you know, hype him up too much against Thiago, but I think he has to be in with a shout as well for what he did when he came on. Uh, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I think that for me, it's Ma- between Mane, Fabinho, and Thiago. You can pick any of them, but I, I would, I would personally go with Mane there. It's a great shout. I mean, you can't really argue. It's just a matter of opinion, isn't it? I mean, but absolutely great shout. Sadio Mane was brilliant today again for us. Absolutely superb. He's, it's so much fun to watch these players. Um, he had three shots, uh, all three on target. Two goals, of course. 80% passing accuracy, which for a forward is excellent. Absolutely excellent. Um, Mohamed Salah was the best of our forwards with an astonishing 84.4% passing accuracy and five key passes and four shots, um, but only one on target for Mohamed Salah. So I thought Salah had a had a decent game. He was causing them problems all, all night as well. Um, defensively, uh, Sadio Mane um, was our second top tackler after Fabinho in the team with three tackles and one interception. Absolutely magnificent. But uh, Fabinho, four tackles, four interceptions. Thiago, one tackle, one interception. But you're right, he could be man of the match as well because his uh, his passing success, Thiago, was 90.4%. Um, according to whoscored.com, he didn't make 75 passes, but... 83 passes um so there you go it depends on who you believe the bbc 75 uh who scored 83 he's basically breaking the computers uh with his passing ability um the options going forward in midfield i mean this is something that i was going to talk about in a bit but we may as well talk about them now i mean if fabinho goes back two midfields um, and we've got seven midfielders so Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Vinaldum, Cater, Jones and Milner there are 35 different combinations to make three a group of three from those seven that you can make a group of three complete any three from those seven in 35 different ways um, I could tell you the maths, but I don't understand it. I'd just be reading it parrot fashion. Um, our midfield options are insane, and that's even without Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, you know, looking forward uh, to, for example, the Arsenal match, uh, the next match, um, Thiago's got to start, hasn't he, Mark? Yeah, for me, Thiago has to start. He's just too good to keep out. Um as much as I love the others, like, you know, one album and Keita, I just think he's simply too good. You can't leave that a player like that out. I mean, it, it depends on the game in terms of how you set up because there'll be certain games where um, we'll be playing against defensive teams. You might need that extra bit of creativity that maybe Keita would bring. And then there'd be bigger away games against you know, Man City or somebody like that. And you maybe you'd want one album in there for a bit of extra stability. But the options are endless. For me, my standard tree would be Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago because with Wijnaldum and Ke- with Fabinho I say you can't not play him with Henderson I think you can't not play him and with Thiago I think you can't not play him if it was if it was a one game to to they had to win I would pick them three and with Wijnaldum and Keita at the minute I'm thinking and Chamberlain and Jones and Milner I'm thinking I wouldn't say you can't not play them you know that kind of way but um yeah I just think with, back just on Thiago what he bring against Arsenal I think when he came on he pass he just passes it differently he does it differently he just has this ex- this silky touch about him where 
it looks it's it's a maybe a basic pass, but you just make he's just different, isn't he? The way he does it, and what he does do is the passes that he plays are quick and they're snappy, and it gets us moving. It gets us um, playing at higher intensity. And I guess it just I think it benefits our front three so much. I think the fullbacks who were um, in paradise there when they're receiving those passes from Thiago and the front three. Yes. Um, I think that they must be trying not to smile to themselves at how lucky they are now to have to play with him, <laughs> and how lucky he how lucky he has to have them to, to play with as well because he he is he has this all in front of him. I mean he. He can play whatever type of pass, but he also needs to have the players to play those passes too. And talk about looking for up and having that front three ahead of you and Robertson and Alexander-Arnold on the side. Um, I just, I mean, it's just a match made in heaven. And I think he has to start against Arsenal. And it also starts, you know, depending on the fitness of Matip. I think Cobb said that Matip should only be a few days. Gomez might be a little bit longer. But that game is until Monday week. So I would probably go Fabinho Henderson and Thiago because I think that's a really important game that Arsenal won. There we have you've had a couple of tough games against them now. Also the fact that we have played them a couple of times, we haven't quite been able to break them down, which is something I didn't think I'd be saying about Arsenal. <laughs> um, but we have we have had some trouble breaking them down, so maybe something a bit different. And Thiago is something a bit different, so I think he has to start, and so does so does Henderson and Fabinho. Excellent stuff. As you say, it is it is a huge game. And in the build-up uh, to this match, this Chelsea match was billed as a huge game. There were some people, uh, notably Neil Atkinson uh, from the uh, Anfield Rap, who was saying that, you know, if we came away from Stamford Bridge, um, it's almost like with three points, if we came away from Ch- Stamford Bridge with three points, it's almost like other teams are going to think we've, you know, we're, we're already you know, favourites for the league. Uh, would you agree with him that uh, this result is, is, is that huge, that even after two games, we're, we're favourites for the league now? Well, I think we're favourites for the league anyway. Um, but, I, but I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. My thinking before this was, if we got to Chelsea and Arsenal, then we'd be really nicely set up. I mean, I wouldn't just go it off Chelsea because we could lose to Arsenal and then we're, we're three points behind them. Whether they'll prove to be Serious title challenges, you know, time will tell. But I think that the Arsenal game, once we get after Arsenal, we have a decent run. And it'll be difficult to see. I mean, they could, they could be, we can see that anybody can beat us. Watford beat us last season. These things can happen. But if we get past them three with, with nine points and we looked as convincing, it's not just that we won today, it's how convincing it was. Even in the first half, they didn't really like get anywhere near us, Chelsea, to be honest. Uh, and I think, and one thing we haven't said is that in the midst of all this, we have the small matter of Diogo Jota to just drop into the mix. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Diogo. Yeah, we haven't even considered that. So he's going to be there on the bench, I presume, for the Arsenal game. He'll be ready to go. And that's only going to make us stronger as well. It's not like this is the finished thing. We already have somebody who's who's signed and is going to come in. And he's going to be a really good player for us, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too... I don't want to go on record for saying... Um, something that's premature but I really think if we get past especially the Arsenal game it's looking good and City have a difficult game against Wolves tomorrow and I heard that Aguero is out for one to two months so it, I mean, hopefully we just have to take it game by game that's what we did last season Klopp has said before why would we change that that's what we do and it works 
but yeah, I would be feeling very, very optimistic if, if we, especially if we get past Arsenal. Even even if we don't get past Arsenal, there's how many games after that? Thirty-five games to play with Thiago um, and that team from last season and Jota as well. So I think that we, I think we'll have enough over over all those games. But yeah, it's, it's, it'll be looking good, especially if we can get a result against Arsenal. Here's here's a shout for you. I think before Manchester City have even kicked a ball this this season. Um, they're going to be nowhere near us. They're going to be absolutely nowhere near us. Um, you look at the quality, you can tell the team's quality um, in, in, in many different ways, but you've got, um, for me, it's three key areas that will win you uh, trophies. Uh, you need quality, you need togetherness, and you need effort. And for me, Manchester City, when the chips are down, they don't have the togetherness. They don't have the same amount of effort they're a weird team today I noticed during the match that after about 60 minutes um, Trent hardly got forward uh, he was staying back he was watching for, uh, Werner on the break um, and that was a deliberate ploy we didn't go mad whereas if Man City are winning 2-0 against 10 men with half an hour to play they attack 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 um, and it's stupid excuse me it's a real waste of energy to do that. Liverpool have the togetherness, we have uh, the effort, and we've got the quality absolutely everywhere. I think Guardiola again has taken some missteps in the transfer market. And uh, as you say, you, you're saying that we're, we're favourites for the league anyway. Um, uh, we're not, according to certain bookmakers and, uh, you know, some pundits. I, I can't remember which ones, but they've apparently been saying, yeah, City are going to come back. They're, they're going to be hungry and they're going to win the league this year. It's going to be too difficult for Liverpool. Bullshit. City will be nowhere near. I would, I, I, Liverpool, this is Liverpool's league already. I think I'm, 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 I'm that giddy uh, about this result. Um, I think 36 games to go. Um Injuries permitting, of course, I think we're absolutely going to coast it. Absolutely wonderful. Um, looking at the actual game itself, uh, tactically, a huge difference, of course, with the red card. Um, tactically speaking, Lampard, it was Hodgson-esque, his 4-5-1. I thought he obviously has an inferiority complex. He thinks he's got some fantastic players, but he sort of shackled them into a 4-5-1 rigid midfield. And that allowed Liverpool to to drop off, to switch positions around, to try to confuse Chelsea. It didn't quite work in the first half as well as we'd wanted to. We didn't have uh, too many clear-cut chances, but... The red card happened. Um, what did you make of, of, of Chelsea's tactics or or Liverpool's tactics, particularly in the first half, Mark? Yeah, you, you make the point about the red card changing things, and I did change things. I'd like to think Thiago changed things more than the red card did. But even in the first half, we completely dominated, and they had one or two breaks with Werner. But other than that, it was it was very, very defensive, very negative. I mean, talk about showing respect to a team. Lampard really did that today. Maybe a little bit too much, you could argue. Um, but I don't know, would that game plan or style of play be adopted if if Chelsea were playing with fans in their stadium? I don't know if after... I mean, I know that they didn't have all of the new signings, but they had two of them at least, and Werner and Havertz. And 
I think you'd be expecting a little bit more um, positivity when you have two players like that. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I don't know if, they, if, they, if that would have been the same plan if there was fans in the stadium. But, yeah, I mean, Liverpool just had to try and break them down. It was dangerous in the first half because for all the control that we had and for all the possession that we had, we didn't create too many chances. And we knew that um, Chelsea had real, real fire in terms of counter-attacks whenever they got them. And there was a little bit of uncertainty early on, especially as, as we were saying with Fabinho, however well he did overall in the game. Um, just pace-wise against Werner, I mean, that's the case with most defenders if, when you're playing against him. But it was just in, ter- in terms of trying to break them down. I don't, who knows how the second half would have gone if we didn't bring on Thiago. I really think that he changed the tempo of the game. made everyone. I think he made players around and play better. That's what Van Dijk did with the defence when he came in. I actually think that the full-backs, Salah had a bit more life about him. Mane had a bit more life about him if he even needed it. Firmino was trying... I saw him try a, a long ball through pass. I don't know if he would have tried if Thiago wasn't on the pitch. I think that he really changed things up. I think that was exactly what we needed, just a bit more um, uh, a bit more pace about us. Uh, and Thiago brought that. But, yeah, I wasn't really impressed by what Chelsea did. It's difficult to judge them because they don't have their new full team. But, yeah, I was, I was a, it, was a, it was a little... I mean, I wasn't... Um, I'm not the one to be disappointed about how Chelsea play. I don't need to watch it every week, but I mean, I suppose that they were playing against the champions, and we're gonna have, we're gonna face that a lot this season. But uh, I know which team I'd rather watch anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've, I have heard from a couple of Chelsea fans. Um, we, we just had a, a preview with uh, the excellent Re- Rebecca Watkins from Did It Cross the Line podcast. And she was a, she's a Chelsea fan. And she was saying that, yeah, she's not a Frank fan. She says Frank is pretty turgid. And it is... It is like it's it's amateur hour stuff. I think you know it's just a four five one, and he's thinking, well, yeah, you know, we've got to keep it tight against Liverpool. But really, if if you're imaginative, you know how to, you know, actually defend like Carlo Ancelotti, or you know, um, you know, you you find ways of, as you say, using the the fantastic attacking talents that that are available to Chelsea, even if it is. You know, even if they they do have a couple of injuries, I mean, still Mason Mount's a good player. Kai Havertz is a fantastic player, and so is Timo Werner. So, if if you know someone else would get, uh, you know, would wring more out of that sponge, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, enough about Chelsea. I mean, Klopp as well. I mean, congratulations to him. He's just had reached 400 uh, Premier League points faster than any manager that Liverpool have ever had uh, in, in fewer games. I think it's 180 games or something. We've got four years left of Klopp minimum. Um, he said in a YouTube interview in, in the German language last week that um, in four years' time, the, the, the interviewer asked him, where do you see yourself in four years' time? And he said, well, probably considering whether I should renew my Liverpool contract. Let's hope. Fingers crossed, because he's, he's, the, he's the string that ties the beautiful bouquet of roses together, isn't he, Mark? I don't think we talk about Jürgen enough, um, but, you know... Would you say that, you know, A, we are the happiest club in the whole world right now, and B, it's pretty much all down to Jürgen? Yeah, I think, I mean, Bayern are pretty happy at the minute. 
with their Champions League win. But yeah, I'd say we probably are. I mean, collectively, as a fan base, I know that there's, I mean, always on Twitter, that's just the nature of the app. There's going to be disagreements and silly things like that between fans, especially when football isn't being played because there's not much else to talk about. But collectively, as a fan base, I mean, it's not at all regular for, especially in the Premier League, for a fan base to just agree on almost on almost everything that's important because Man City, they have their their issues and their worries and things like that. Man United, the list is probably too long to go into now for them. But Klopp just has everything everything in sync. And I, I don't, I mean, it's not that you shouldn't question. I mean, every, you should always question things. But does you, I mean, anytime you do kind of question Klopp, you just end up looking like a bit of an idiot. I, I just remember when he first joined every summer, I was a I kind of question stuff and be a bit worried. This I'm just not letting myself do that anymore because there's no, it's not necessary. And yeah, how could you not be happy? His his smiles, his hugs, him just literally leading a club, controlling and managing a club every day, day to day. And um, Liverpool are lucky to be the ones to have him. I think that he's the the best coach in the world. No question about that anymore. I don't think. And yeah, I, I enjoy every single. I know we say four years. How many years have we had already of Klopp? Four or five. Yeah, he joined in October 2015. So it's been yeah, just over, just over four. Oh my god, my maths is bad. 2015 is five years ago, isn't it? Wow. So I mean, it seems like a long time when you say it. Four years left, but I mean, we've already had five, and it seems to have flown by. However much has happened in that time period, it's a lot. Four years. Just enjoy every every picture of a smile and enjoy every press conference take it in because i mean i hope i pray that he does extend um if he i mean i think if he's going to continue in management he's going to extend that Liverpool because i don't unless he gets to the stage where he, he did with dortmund and he thinks that he's not the man to take us forward anymore i don't see how he thinks it would be better at any other club i think he knows that he has it really good why would he change that up and um, so just enjoy every Every bit of content you can get from Klopp, just enjoy it because we won't be here forever, regardless. Absolutely. I mean, I want I, I want us to end up naming naming a stand at Anfield after him. We've got the Sir Kenny Delgleaf stand. We've got the cop. Um, that leaves two for me. Um, so you know, when Curtis Jones has won uh, the you know twenty five Champions Leagues in his career and uh, then becomes a manager and wins another twenty, then. You can, uh, you know, he can have the Annie Road stand. But before then, I want the main stand to be named after Jurgen. Uh, what a guy! Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, did you see Lampard's face on eighty-eight minutes? I wrote this down in my notes. Um, he looked, he looked very angry, but also very confused as to what the heck he's supposed to do I mean of course the red card changed the game and all that and that's his excuse and then apparently after the game he said well we're we're just in pre-season so you know obviously he's playing it down to the media but you could see how pissed off he was and just how confused because he'd been outthought, outwitted outplayed everything by this Liverpool team and it's like these kind of images will stay with me and in you know 10 20 years hopefully if i'm looking back on this time i I remember things like that just just the genius the way that we've absolutely defeated teams in their minds it's it's so unbelievable um 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, our next matches, we've got uh, Lincoln City in the League Cup, uh, 8.45, I think that's European time, I'm not sure, uh, in midweek. We've got a B team to play, okay? This is our B team that I figured out the other day. Um, uh, Adrian in goal, uh, Kostas, so Tsimikas, Matip, uh, Kumetio, Williams. Um, in midfield, you could have, uh, uh, for example, Milner, Cater, Jones, uh, Fabinho can step into midfield. Um, and then you have Minamino, Elliot, and Diogo Jota. Uh, would you would you roll out Diogo Jota? I mean, how? Are you, let's talk a bit a bit more about him. Forty million. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I think that game is going to be really useful for a lot of players, especially Tim McCast. I think more than most, he could really do with the game to, to show what he can do because you can't forget about him. He's joined us with a really good reputation. Um, I think he's going to. He's a really good left back, and he's going to have to take these opportunities when they come his way. It's going to be difficult for him because it's his first um, proper game. But I think that would really suit him. I wonder whether he'll use that game to try and put some players that they've maybe struggled to to ship out this transfer window. You know, back in some other clubs' minds. You know, the likes of Wilson maybe or Gruwich, or maybe they want to just put them on bubble wrap and not let them get injured uh, so they can still sell them who knows but uh, yeah people like Harvey Elliott he could really do with a game um, it'd, be, it'd be a shame Cometio has his injury isn't it hopefully now he can he can be back available for that game on Thursday because I think he would have had a very decent chance of at least playing some part in that and getting his debut early on so yeah I think it would suit him as well Nico Williams he could do with a game I mean yeah as you, as you were saying the depth is really good now and yeah, I think that we should at least give Diogo Jota um, a half or, or 30 minutes. I, I have no problem in starting him. Thiago joined on, I think it was Friday it was official. And then he play, he just did what he did today on, on Sunday. So, so Diogo Jota was announced yesterday. And I, so I don't see any reason he should be training with them. I don't know if he'll train tomorrow uh, much, but he'll have a few a couple of days so I don't I don't see any reason why he can't play against uh, against them in the, in the in the cup. So yeah, I'd start him. I think he's going to be really really useful signing for us. I use you mentioned the price tag there. I mean, it, when I saw at first the, the rumor fee was thirty five million pounds, and then when he when it was done, it was went up to kind of forty five million pounds. And I was thinking it, it does sound a bit steep. But I read an article then. And I'm not sure if it's one hundred percent. Accurate, but it came from a, from a very good report. I think it was from somebody from the Athletic, on Wolves End, maybe, or the Telegraph on Wolves End, and they explained that we had the option to buy Jota up front for 35 million pounds. So maybe that's where that report came from. We have we were given the option to sign him for 35 million, but the deal which involved us paying 41 rising to 45 allowed us to pay that deal more in installments over a longer period of time, and with the financial climate that people find themselves in with the with the pandemic they took that option it was quite interesting that they took that option up actually i think we're only paying four million within the next 12 months so they've obviously you know weighed up the costs and thought that that was the best um option and they went for the higher one even though uh, it's higher it'll be paid over a longer period of time so i thought that was quite interesting but i think he's absolutely perfect backup for, for the front three he's not he's 
technically very good in terms of he's he's a good finisher. He's um, clinical in front of goal. Um, he's versatile, so he can play you know down the middle or off the left. Um, and also he's a workhorse. He's he's so determined to win the ball back. Remember at Anfield he he dispossessed Van Dijk, I think it was. Um, and set up a really dangerous chance for Wolves. So to be able to throw him on with half an hour left or 20, 20 minutes left, you're talking about instant impact for me. And in these cups now, I mean, Klopp might even win a domestic cup now at Liverpool, the FA Cup or League Cup, considering he has more depth. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But he'll really help that. And I, I, I think that he could make a bit of a... If he has a good start, there'll be some people that will be saying, you know, Firmino needs to kind of... Um, up his game a little bit. If he makes an impact off the bench and if he starts in games like these in the League Cup and he's scoring goals and he fits in well with the front three, it's not impossible that he's going to be pushing Firmino for a spot maybe around Christmas time. Um, and if Firmino needs a break because he hasn't, God bless him, he hasn't really had a break at all in this time at Liverpool. Um, I think that that's not you know the most unrealistic scenario. But I think just the, the more I think of that transfer, the more I think he is the perfect backup for the plus front three. It's a really interesting answer. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, you know, on Bobby Firmino, um, today some stats for you. I mean, he had one shot. Uh, it was on target. Um, three key passes. He had one assist, that lovely cross uh, for Manny. Um, you would think that, yeah, he would. He he might actually up his game with this, with this, um, you know, other guy and also T- Taki Minamino uh, breathing down his neck a bit because uh, Taki is another player who we can uh, expect excellent things from when he's given the chance this season. Brilliant attitude, etc. From him, but um, but uh, yeah, Diego Jota. Uh, I was listening to lots of uh, podcasts, loads of them in the past sort of day since Diego signed and um wolves journalists and wolves fans are all saying that his he either plays off the left or as a second striker he was actually a bit more effective as a second striker playing alongside raul jimenez but he's also good off the left and i was thinking mark that if we do want to give bobby a rest not drop him because he's just unbelievable but yeah if we do want to just you know let him put his feet up for for a week or two in his sort of silver slippers at home. He can just stay at home and you know watch the watch watch the Reds crush teams uh, on the telly like the rest of us. Then can 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 Mane go up front and Jota off the left? I would like to see that. Yeah, that's a very good shout because I think Mane, especially at Southampton, I'm not sure how much he did it in his early days at Liverpool. But definitely at Southampton, I think there was a few games where he played down the middle because uh, man, he's become so ruthless now and he's become much more consistent. So that is an option. And it's also just an option to play Jota down the middle and have Mane off the left. Um, this, is, this is what this brings us now. It brings us more opportunities. It's quite interesting, isn't it, the, the two players that he's brought in as um, backup kind of to the, to, for our attacking options recently have been Minamino and Jota. And while Jota, I actually read a stat uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how they how they come up w- with this, but apparently he is the fastest player in the Premier League with the ball at his feet. And the role that he plays with Wolves, um, as well as what you were saying there, is that he's kind of the counter-attack carrier. So him and him and Traore, they 
are really quick with the ball at their feet and they almost carry those attacks um, for them. So you can see him doing something similar, similar at Liverpool. But yeah, I mean, it seems we're kind of going more towards technical players. While he's fast, he's also a technical player. Um, you know, Minamino and Jota, it's kind of a different style of a backup to what we've had before, you know, in the form of Origi. Origi's still there for the time being and um, he, he definitely provides something different too. But I just thought it was interesting. Maybe it's... Um, you know, Klopp's kind of gone for, for two players more of that mould recently. But, uh, I mean, I love Minamino. I think he's, he, he has the potential to have a really important season this season. I, I think he's looked really good in the last few games when he, when he's played. Um, he's also versatile. Probably he is best down the middle as well. So maybe Jota has been signed more for the left. But it just gives us it gives us options. It's something we haven't really... I don't know, but it's, it's funny. While it's, it's a weird thing to say, considering we won... Premier League last season, Champions League season before, but this is maybe maybe this is the first season under Klopp. I mean, we, he 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 obviously has his team set because when when he joined Liverpool, he had to get his own team, and he's had that set for for a while now. His first team, but this is maybe the first season. Bar the some people would say it's a luxury to buy, to buy another centre back. Some people would say uh, that we actually need it, but except for maybe that, this feels like the first season that we're actually. Going into a to a new season, and the whole squad seems set. Like I, I can't. It's very difficult to have any complaints now, and I just think it'll be interesting to see how that impacts us in all competitions in the FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Premier League, and Champions League. Because I feel more set up for a season in terms of quality and quantity than we ever have before in the club, and I think that's something that's really exciting. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, wonderfully well said. Uh, excellent. I, wa- I want to just go through the team quickly on today's performance, um, if you don't mind. We'll, we'll just go through them. Um, uh, Alison Becker um, saved a penalty. It could have been 2-1. We haven't talked about that at all. Um, what do you think of him? I mean, he must be absolutely delighted with saving a penalty in and keeping a clean sheet. Um, what did you make of his performance, Mark? Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. And I wanted to actually say, I'm happy that I'm able to bring it up now, Carragher, before the game, I saw a quote that he compared him to Mingele over the last 10 games. And I just... like No, really? Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I, when I, when I saw it. He said... I mean, I, I actually was one of Mingele's bigger fans at Liverpool, to be fair. But to, to compare Alison Becker, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, now he said over the last 10 games, to be fair, and his point he was making is that he's making he's not making saves that he should be, in the sense that Mingele quite often didn't make saves that he should be making in Liverpool. What an unfair assessment of a player that's done so much for the club. I thought that was re- sometimes I think Carragher, he goes the other way sometimes too much. He's a pundit for Sky, and he's obviously a Liverpool fan, everyone knows that. Sometimes he has his moments. It's weird, because he has moments where he goes... Most Ali, a little dancer, and it's obvious where the weaknesses lie. And then there's other times with things like that where I think he maybe goes too far the other way. And I don't, I don't really think that's a fair comment to make. But off the back of that, I mean, I doubt Alisson pays much attention to what he's saying anyway. But off the back of that, the penalty save. And also, I was myself saying the other week after the Community Shield penalty shootout that Alisson, I don't think he's made a save from penalty for the pool yet. And he, he didn't really look that convincing um, with most penalty kicks he's faced at Liverpool, but I was um, I was absolutely delighted for him. And then just after that as well, he made a really important save. That's two moments. You know, we only won by two goals, 
So I thought he was I thought he was really, really good today. Yeah, great stuff. Absolutely. Um he got hundred percent passing accuracy. He had he had nineteen uh distributions of the ball, one hundred percent, which is good. Um well, I mean you would expect that from a keeper, from a normal keeper, but uh, remember this is Allison and he you know he chips it out to the left wing with his wrong foot sometimes and is absolutely fantastic at distribution. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, I can't believe who scored only gave him 8.21 out of 10. I mean, what do you need to get a 10 out of 10 game? It's 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 72 passes with an 81.9% passing accuracy. Uh, nine crosses, only two of them accurate. Uh, with two key passes, presumably they were the those two crosses. Um, defensively, Trent had one tackle, one interception, no clearances and no blocked shots. Well, I don't think there were any shots to block in the end. Um, what would you give Trent out of 10, Mark? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a difficult game to maybe judge him off because he wasn't really challenged that much defensively. But I think actually he, he kind of needed a game like this, a stable game, because... Remember again against Leeds, and I'm I'm was not criticising him, overly criticising him last week because he was one of the few Liverpool players that didn't have a that wasn't part of that pre-season camp, and he wasn't playing those pre-season games. Him and Henderson, I think, were the two most notable ones that didn't really, um, you know, contribute much to that pre-season. Because I think Trent was training at home because he had a slight knock, and he played. In for England, and I don't think he had a great game then either. And then against Leeds, he was a bit shaky. So I think he needed this game to just maybe not set the world alight in terms of you know he didn't have his most influential game in terms of uh, assists or that type of thing, dictating a game which we know he can do. But he had a solid game. I think he needed that today. And yeah, I think I don't know how you could give him anything under seven point five. I'd say. Yeah, very, uh, very, uh, very reasonable assessment. Of course, who scored managed to find a way to give him under 7.5. They gave him 7.33, but they're very harsh, who scored with their match ratings. Uh, 7.5, um, yeah, or 8, maybe. I thought he dealt well with the, the threat of Mason Mount and, and Timo Werner behind him. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, he did. He did. He did very well without, as I mentioned before, tactically being asked to hang back a bit. Um, he did well, Trent. Uh, in the middle, we had Fabinho. I'm not even going to ask you because I, I'm giving him 10 out of 10 and I'm not having any argument against it. So Fabinho is 10. Uh, whether he's man of the match or not is uh, up to you. But um, four tackles, four interceptions, as I said. No clearances, no blocked shots because there were no shots to block. Um, and uh, passing, his passing was very good, Fabinho. Some mixed range. He had 89 passes with a whopping 96.6% passing accuracy. Superb stuff. Superb. Uh, nine long balls attempted, six of them accurate. Very, very good performance from Fabinho. Virgil van Dijk. Now, this is hilarious because whoscored.com, you look at the stats every week. He got 6.63 out of 10, basically because the stats say he didn't do anything. No tackles, no interceptions, no clearances, no blocked shots because there were no shots to block. Uh, and there were no shots to block because Virgil's there and he's a freaking legend. He doesn't even need to do anything that gets him a defensive stat. He just stands there and magnetically keeps the ball away from the goal. What did you make of his performance? 
Yeah, I thought it was just a classic Van Dyke performance, really. I don't. He wasn't troubled at any time. Um, I know he's had a couple of errors the last while, but I mean, you'll you allow him that. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one that, as you, the point you just made, when a player doesn't really have to do anything, but they're a defender, and that means they get, I don't know, a, a rating that's not very good. I don't really think that's that's fair, to be honest. I think he was good. I think he had to take on the role of leading Fabinho as well. You could see he was he was talking to him all the time, applauding him as we as we made reference to earlier on. Um, I think he, a lot of his mind was focused on that aspect of it in terms of making sure he was okay. And I think any credit you want to take for Fabinho's performance, I think you also kind of have to give credit to Van Dijk for that. So I think that that is, and the fact that Fabinho has such, had such a good game, such a seamless transition, surely, you know, the communication aspect from Van Dijk and um, him helping him through that means that he should have a higher score as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it was excellent performance by him. As you're totally right to bring up the communication. Yeah, um, very good. Uh, Andy Robertson at the back. We've already talked a bit about him. He must love getting those balls from Thiago. The the one touch cross field balls that Thiago has played to him. They just landed perfectly on his left peg. Uh, Robbo was up and down uh, like a yo yo. Um, uh, yeah, he was, he was, I don't know, up and down like a caber being tossed. Um, he had two shots, even. Uh, of course, he didn't score. Uh, he had one tackle. His passing was, uh, from 89 passes, he had 87.6 passing accuracy, 12 crosses, uh, one accurate cross out of 12. Uh, there were a couple of times where uh, Mo Salah, in the, at the start of the second half, um, made some brilliant runs and uh, Robbo just couldn't pick him out. And there are some times where I just wish uh, he, he he sees the pass, he doesn't quite get it. And there's no such thing as perfection on a football field, um, even with Virgil van Dijk. Um, I just think he's almost perfect, Andy Robertson. I'd give him a 9 out of 10 for today. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I'd give him a 9 out of 10 as well. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, same again. He's just a, a very consistent player um, in what they do. Uh, there's been a bit of debate over whether he's the best at what he does. I think I, I still think that he is. Whatever about, you know, in a season or two, talking about Alfonso Davies, that you can do that in a while, but you can't. Um, I don't think that you should say that he's... Um, better just off the, the basis of a few months so yeah I thought he was fantastic he, he's become more of a leader as well as he's gone on Liverpool he's so confident he has that bit of arrogance about him um, which I love I know some people on other fans might, uh, of other fans of other teams might not like that as much but I love it I think you need a bit of that and yeah really solid game from him I'd, I'd give him a 9 as well great stuff moving into midfield then Naby Keita um, interesting one to, to talk about because um, he had 95.9% passing accuracy from 49 passes in the 63 minutes he was on the field. But 49 passes, hmm, it's more than uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum made. He made 44 passes and he played the entire match. Um, Naby Keita, 49 passes, but he, he must be under instruction from Klopp because um, Klopp, doesn't like people dribbling, it seems. If you look at the stats of Liverpool uh, as a team over the past few years, 
who doesn't like people to dribble. Today I was watching Cater, he was man-marked by Kovacic uh, with and without the ball. It's quite interesting. Um, as soon as uh, you know Chelsea got possession, he started marking Kovacic, who was marking him anyway. So they very much cancelled each other out, I thought. And Cater played very simply. Um, these are very good stats. Uh, but I wondered, would you... Th- would you want him? I mean, I'll give him a 7 out of 10. Um, he wasn't bad. But um, would you want him to take a few more risks? Uh, or is there just no need? Yeah, well, I know it's an interesting point that you made about Klopp not maybe encouraging players to, to dribble as much as maybe the stats prove that. That's kind of what he was. his trademark was at Leipzig, though. I wasn't remember watching those YouTube videos at the time and seeing him, you know, break through defences with, with, his, um, with his dribbles. And that was kind of his trademark. But it's a shame he doesn't do it as much at Liverpool. I wonder, was it a confidence thing? But you may, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's more of an of an instruction that he's under to um, to do the basics. I think it's funny because with one album, while he he does, he seems to score more goals with Holland. We, I don't think we'd make the same point about one album. We wouldn't say, you know, should he be doing more dribbling? Should he be doing a bit more, that type of thing? Because you're happy from... He does the basics and we're happy for him to do it. I think it's because with Keita, we know that he's capable of doing... Um, that's not, not disrespect to, to Genie. He's probably, he's more clinical from the goal. But just in terms of that, you know, dribbling forward and breaking lines, I think that we know that Keita is capable of that. So we, we almost it almost feels like he's just in second gear and he's not really being unleashed. But, yeah, maybe that's just the instruction that they're under. And, I mean, I don't think that there's a big necessity to get him to change necessarily what he's doing because as a team and if he'll work really well I don't think he had his best game today to be honest I think that especially there's a few times just literally because of his height that he lost out in, in the middle to, to, to some balls that we um, that we otherwise probably would have got to but Kante had a similar height probably smaller and um, he, he's grand but I just thought that a couple of times in the first half that was a bit frustrating but that's not his fault obviously um, yeah, I thought, I thought yeah, he had a decent game, didn't do anything amazing. Um, again, I think he played well for a while with Thiago. I think Thiago made him play a bit better. It'd be interesting to see how much he's used with Thiago. Um, it was definitely exciting to see him with, with Thiago. Um, but I don't know how many times they realistically, realistically start together. Only time will tell. But yeah, I mean... He's obviously not the most consistent of players, Keita. When he's on it, he's, he's brilliant. He was our best player post-lockdown in, um, when we started back. And I just, I just don't think it was his best game today. That's fair enough. He's not going to be amazing every week. But there'll be definitely be a large portion of games this season where Liverpool will really, really benefit from, from what he can do. Yeah, great answer. Great answer. Um, uh, Jorginho Vijnaldum. Uh, yeah, only 44 passes in, in 90 minutes with... Uh, 90.9 passing accuracy for a midfielder generally anything over 84% is really very very good and uh, worthy of a of, of you know of praise but only 44 passes um, obviously he, he was doing what Jorginho Wijnaldum does and that's covering passing lanes and that's covering when we attack and helping the team uh, more than himself he missed that glorious chance right at the end um, but I think you know even in his sort of withdrawn role that he normally plays he seemed uh, I mean it's very difficult because Chelsea with the the Roy Hodgson tactics were 
you know, outnumbering us in, in midfield. So it, it, it's hard for Wijnaldum um, when he's got the ball to, to, to do much with it other than keep it moving, which he does very well. But I just wonder maybe, you know, again, a 7 out of 10 maybe, Mark? Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, it, it's rare that you'd kind of give Wijnaldum anything over an 8 out of 10. Really, if we're being realistic, just just because of the role that he plays within the team, it doesn't really lend itself to, you know, taking the headlines. We all know that. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of a typical game from 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 Ronaldo. I think that he, um, we we completely controlled the game. We completely controlled the midfield, and he was part of that. So, well done, well done for that. And um, he had a, he had another chance as well, saved well by Kepa, um, but. Other than that, didn't get forward too much. I think that he did well overall. Um, as you said, he, he blocks the passing lanes. He did that well today. Um, yeah, just a, basically a typical Gina Robin performance. Just sounds didn't um, didn't do anything amazing, but uh, you know, in terms of something obvious to the eye. But um, yeah, he just did, he did his job. We were we dominated the game. He was part of the midfield that dominated it. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd probably give him a seven, seven point five. Yeah, very reasonable stuff indeed. Yes, um, Jordan Henderson unfortunately came off at half time. Um, from what I can tell, obviously this is just after the game. Um, it's a thigh injury. Uh, he felt a tight thigh. Apparently, um, I think it was his own, or unless he felt someone else's tight thigh and got injured that way. Uh, but uh, they say that he felt a tight thigh at half time, uh, and. Um, uh, yeah, so he, luckily it's not the knee which has been keeping him out. Um, but uh, yeah, a bit of a worry for him. Uh, we can cope without him probably, as we said before, with his, you know, but, uh, you know, now that we have Tiago, we can cope without him. But he is such an important player for us. Um, did he look a little bit off it to you like he did to me? Yeah, I was hoping it was his own tie, um, but I think yeah, it was just hopefully it was just a precautionary um, move from Klopp and from probably he said it himself. Um, I think I, I thought he was better today. I thought against I thought against Leeds he looked a bit off the pace because as I was saying, same case for Trent, he didn't have as much preparation as the rest of the team did. Um, but I, I thought he looked good today. I thought the well. If, if he did nothing else in the game, the pass that he played through to Mane, which got us the red card um, from Christensen, I think that was amazing. Uh, I think that Jamie Redknapp, it was, was showing how, or, or Carragher, I think it was, they showed a replay of it, and he didn't even release the ball away from, from his feet. He just It was right underneath him, and he just scooped it up, and I played this inch-perfect pass through to Mane. I thought it was brilliant. So that alone... Um, you know, he, it was a lot to do for for one half, but no, I thought I thought he was good today. I'd probably give him uh, an eight, to be honest. I thought I thought he looked a bit a bit more back to to his normal self. It wasn't a perfect performance, someone as you say, he's still getting back into the rhythm of things. But hopefully, that's only a minor thing, and he can be back for Arsenal. So, uh, but I, th- I thought he had a good game overall. Yeah, fair enough. I'll have, I'll have to watch it back. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, going on to the front three then, and then we'll. Uh... We'll we'll wrap it up. We've got we we've, we've done uh, we've talked for quite a while, and uh, I'm sure you have lots of other things to do. But um, the front three, 
Um, we've already spoken about uh, Bobby Firmino, Sadio Mane. The only one left to speak about is uh, is Mohamed Salah. Um, yeah, he had uh, he did nothing defensively, which is actually quite unusual for him. He normally makes a couple of tackles. Passing-wise, he had five key passes, as I said before. 64 passes and 84.4% passing accuracy. Now, for an attacker, anything over 75 is amazing. And, for example, Roberto Firmino had a good game, had 75% passing accuracy. It's perfectly reasonable for an attacker. 84.4% for Mohamed Salah. Um, uh, he's, his ears seemed to prick up uh, when Thiago came on as well. And um, he looks like he's, he's, he's back to his thunderous best for me. He really is, even though he didn't score today. Just causing problems every time he gets the ball. It doesn't matter if Chelsea had two or three players around him. You know, sometimes he came deep just to confuse them and uh, to stop being man-marked. But he was absolutely super, either go either as centrally where he started the game, or from uh, out on the right, or when he dropped deep. I would give him, I would give him a nine. But I don't know if I'm being too generous. No, I don't think you're being too generous. I probably would have said eight point five or a nine. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I think especially the link of play that he had. I think it it was that he played the ball to Firmino to give the assist for Mane second. Yes, I thought that was yeah. I thought that was a beautiful bit of play. Um, I can't wait to watch that back probably about a million times over the next week. So <laughs> yeah, that was that was really really good. I think that he looks really determined. I don't know if it's the new haircut. I don't know what it is, but he looks really determined. Um, again, to uh, I don't know if it's to get the golden boot or or what, what, whatever personal goals he set himself. But he looks really really up for it, which is brilliant news for Liverpool. I thought it was really good. I think that he, um, it was interesting. Even he, I noticed that he dropped deep a lot in the first half. Well, more in the first half than he did in the second half. Now, whether that's... See, it's difficult to tell. That could be... In the, in the second half, he didn't drop deep. Maybe that's because you know he knew that they were a man down and he wanted to hang around the box more. But I think it could be because you know Thiago dictated that midfield when he came on and sprang those passes around. And that... Kind of, I think, if you notice, it was the front three that obviously combined for that goal right on the edge of the box. And quite often, at least one of them will be dropping deep. And you know, that situation wouldn't always be possible. But they seem to be you know, much more in and around the box and working with you know, quick one-touch passes and that type of thing. Hopefully now, um, you, you don't have to see him coming as, as deep. He won't be needing to come as deep as he, as he sometimes does. Um, now, he's brilliant when he does. Sometimes he can create things on his own. He just takes matters into his own hands. And he and he plays a quick one too and runs forward with it and then uh, suddenly you're in on goal. But um, I just think that's quite an interesting thing to, to to look out for because that front three, as lethal as as they are, I think that you know that that's why I think that they could they're best written around the box because um, they're just lethal attackers. So I uh, that's quite an interesting thing just to watch out for. Will they be coming as deep? Yeah, Firmino and and Salah, if they know that you know the creative um, the creative aspects of Thiago's game are are there. Um, already now without them having to come back so uh, that's that's one to watch but yeah I thought he was really really good I'd give him a 9 he, he usually doesn't have a good game at Sanford Bridge I don't know if you've noticed that um, maybe it's because he plays you know he's playing against his old team and it's away from home and he gets you know the odd boo or whatever I don't know but I mean he wasn't affected by that this time maybe because there was no fans I thought he had the best game he's had at Sanford Bridge so far which was which was a positive 
So, yeah, I was delighted to see him. He didn't get on the score sheet. I think he likes playing against Arsenal. So hopefully next week he will. Um, but yeah, I'd probably give him a nine as well today. Marvellous stuff. Yeah, a couple of great points there. Um, it'd be nice, you know, we haven't had since Coutinho someone who can really, like I said before, Andy Robertson missed two two chances to play Mohamed Salah in when he was just sort of running um, off the shoulder or, uh, between the right back and the centre back. Um and he makes that run all the time and hardly anybody even sees it. So bravo to Robertson for seeing it twice today. But I'm sure Thiago will see it. And uh, even from deep, he'll be able to, to slip him in a couple of times. It, oh, God, it's so much to look forward to. Out of, just a quick one, I know we're going to wrap up. Out of the front three, who, which one do you think will benefit? I saw somebody ask this on Twitter. Which one do you think will benefit the most from Thiago's arrival? Uh, of the front three Firmino, Salah and Armani they all benefit for different reasons but just quickly I was just wondering what, who you uh, thought would kind of get the most out of that no it's a great question um, God it's a really hard one to ask isn't it um, the thing is when he plays deep as, as Thiago does um, it's more how he's the puppet master for everybody around him um, but there are certain things like Sadio Mane in the first half. I remember a, a great run he made for Fabinho, who who didn't wasn't looking, uh, and uh, didn't play the pass. And then um, Henderson got the ball a couple of minutes after, and Mane made the same run, but that time he was tracked. But Henderson tried to play the ball anyway uh, to Thiago. Uh, sorry, to Sadio Mane, and uh, it was dealt with fairly easily by the defence because there were two defenders against him. Tiago just makes the right decision at the right time. So they will all benefit from, in terms of making those runs to try and get behind defence. Like that would be, that would be both Sadio and Mohamed Salah will, will benefit from that. But Firmino, the way he knits everything together, um, to have someone like Tiago to sort of bounce off, they've both got the Samba style, they've both got the shimmy. They've both got the jelly-legged uh, wonder, wonder twinkle toes of, of Brazilian magic and strength and guile. And I just wonder, because Firmino is likely to play closer to Thiago, just purely for that reason, why Bobby Firmino would be my answer, that, that uh, you know, um, Thiago is really going to help out Trent and he's really going to help out Robbo. And after that, I think it would be, uh, yeah, Bobby Firmino. But yeah, great question. Um, no, I can't, I can't believe this is like the future for us now. <laughs> it was almost like I was watching it. I was thinking, this is like a treat that we've just been given for for one half, and then we're just gonna have to go back to. But no, this, this is. He's on a four-year contract. But whatever about injuries, but for the next four years of my life, I'm gonna get to watch that Spanish man supply supply my team, and I just, oh, I just, it's just a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. This is it. This is the first day of the rest of our lives. Um, I think it's an absolutely huge day, and I'm very, very happy that James Milner had uh, played a part in it because I thought he was brilliant when he came on. Forty-eight passes. Uh, in just 30 minutes including additional time 97.9% and when you're winning 2-0 and uh, the other team's down to 10 men and you bring on James Milner 
he's just a master isn't he he's playing little slide balls and he was making you know snide little tackles so there was that time where you know he won that free kick I don't know if you remember when uh, you know uh, Tammy Abraham with all of his uh, you know green youthful uh, zest uh, Milner just took a step backwards and got kicked and fell over and won a free kick and that wasted another minute I mean brilliant Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, James Milner. I love the guy. I'd love to see more of him this season. I think he's far from finished. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I would give him for a substitute appearance. Um, I don't think we could ask for any more, really. I'd give him just because he didn't score or make an assist. That's the only thing you could say, uh, even though he was playing deep. I don't know. Nah, I'm going to give him a 10 as well for that substitute performance. I thought he was brilliant. What do you reckon? Oh, he was brilliant. And I think that he's such a useful player to have. I, I, I don't know if we want to get the stats on for, for another time, but the amount, of, the amount of games where he's brought on to just calm things, especially when we're in the lead, it's almost like a trademark of, of Klopp at Liverpool the last couple of years. He, just, he, just, he can almost just guarantee he's going to come on and he's going to just calm things down. And there was this period last season... He was injured for a while, and you wouldn't think it's an it's a big deal. You wouldn't think it's important, but in a way, he serves a, a, a he does he serves a purpose, and he he does something that no other player in the Liverpool team can really do. It, it, it's it's invaluable to have a player like that. And also, we were talking about the Lincoln team. Um, there'll be a good few young players out on that pitch, and surely he has to be the old head and the wise head in the middle of all of that. You know, dictating it all and making sure that things are okay. I I think he has to start in that game. For yeah, all the totally. Yeah, for all the yeah. youth that's going to be on the pitch. So, um, oh, I thought he was brilliant. Classic James Milner off the bench. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him start next week because he deserves that. I think. And yeah, he just he did he did what he does, and it was it was just brilliant. Just brilliant. I mean, <laughs> marvelous. I mean, it brings us to the end of our of our discussion. Um, it is just brilliant. It's We are the happiest club in the world. I mean, you say Bayern Munich are pretty happy. I'm sure they are after their win, but then they've just lost one of their very best players. Hansi Flick is, you could see he's 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 going to miss Thiago a lot, but we've got him. His loss is our gain. We've needed a defender, uh, sorry, a midfielder, excuse me, a, mid, a defensive midfielder um, with the vision and brains um, of Chabi Alonso since... Chabi Alonso left. I mean, I say we we've needed it. Okay, we've won the Champions League and the Premier League in the past couple of seasons. You could you could say we don't need it, but having him there, I mean, he's going to be the person that is just going to dominate my thoughts when I think about Liverpool. Just the the future is just it's 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 rosy. Um, it's golden. The future future is rosy and golden with Thiago. And Mark, I just wanna just ask you, you just 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 your final, you know, your thoughts on that match, where Liverpool are, where Liverpool are going. Um n- no one's gonna stop us. Uh, no one's gonna stop us. I mean I'm not just getting too giddy. I'm just looking at it because we've we've got a 97 point team, then a 99 point team, and we've got even better, haven't we? I I mean, I I, I try to be um, to not get too carried away, maybe when I'm going on record, but I, look, I don't even care. I I, I completely I completely agree with you. Um, I I don't really see 
Man City, I saw a crazy stat that they scored something like on average 5.5 goals in every game after lockdown or something like that. But I just, I just don't see how. You're exactly right. I mean, I was a tiny bit thinking, you know, have we taken the, the you know, a, a little bit of, uh, are we taking a little bit easy? Do we need a little injection of something? And I think that Thiago is that. I really, I, I really think that that transfer is that important. I, I I'm not gonna try and downplay that. I think he's the signing of the summer. In terms of, I know Havertz is a brilliant one for the for the, for, the, for you know for now, but also for the future. But if you, people talk about long term plans in football, quite often you know players' cycles of clubs now are getting shorter and shorter. If you're talking about immediate impacts over three or two, three, four years, Thiago is it, it's it's going to be incredible. I did, like he trained for maybe one session, maybe two sessions with that team, and he came on and played 45 minutes, and the transition was seamless. So to, to think when he has a few more um, sessions under his belt, the, the different combinations, him to Trent, him to Robbo, him to the front three, it's endless. And I just, I really, really cannot wait to watch that guy play for my team. And the rest of the team is the one that just won the Premier League and the Champions League the season before. I think that you're right. I don't think we're going to be stopped in the league I mean it's not a foregone conclusion obviously it's a few other teams have improved and that type of thing but as you say barring any injuries I just for the league and I think for the Champions League because we have as, as you were saying Bayern are happy but we've taken the player that was the man of the match in the final that they just won in the Champions League and he, if we're the two best teams in Europe we've just taken arguably their most important fielder and that's a bonus for us. And I think that that's really going to help us in the Champions League, especially against some of the teams that play defensively. Like, if we had Thiago against Atletico, would it have been a different story? I mean, from now on, hopefully we won't have to make questions like that because we're going to have them if we come against, up against Atletico again. And I think, why not dream of a double? That's what I think. You're totally right. That's beautiful, beautiful place uh, to leave it. Although I would just say one final, final thing. Um, Manchester City, looking at their record since lockdown ended... Um, yeah, they, they had some great results. They beat us 4-0, Newcastle 5-0, Brighton 5-0. They beat Watford 4-0, Norwich 5-0. But this is, this is, this is Manchester City. They, they also lost to Lyon, of course, in the Champions League, a bad Lyon team, 3-1. They lost to Arsenal 2-0 in the FA Cup. And they lost to Southampton away at 1-0. And that is what they will continue to do this season. Because, as I said before, Pep hasn't fixed their problems. Uh, the togetherness isn't there. The togetherness is certainly here amongst Liverpool fans. Thank you so, so much, Mark. It's been a real joy. It's so nice to talk to you after that fabulous spanking of Frank Lampard's listless Chelsea. Thank you, Mark. That was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thus, as the tugboat approaches this episode's vessel to pull us to the dock once more, may I simply remind you that you may report us on Twitter 
at coponpodcast. You may send in your hate mail to coponpodcast at gmail.com or you may indeed support us on patreon.com forward slash coponpodcast. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to the amazing Stephanie Pepper for the poetry choice that you heard at the beginning. And uh, I'm always looking for contributors, you know, so please do get in touch if you'd ever like to be a guest. It's coponpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at coponpodcast. Thank you very much. Tiago. Tiago Alcantara. We're going to have so much fun. <laughs>